A spiritual fast is abstaining from something for something. It's giving up something for a purpose. Now, we get a little more specific. You know, the Bible, when it talks about spiritual fasting, because there's all kinds of fasting. People diet with fasting. Uh, people who are trying to make weight wrestlers, they fast. They stop eating and drinking things. Um, the Bible talks about it being a dietary thing. So, um, you know, we don't tell you what kind of fast you need to go on. Some people fast something really. But we want it to be something of meaning to you that you're willing to give up. You know, if you hate onions, don't fast onions for the next 21 weeks. It's not really a fast. Um, but, you know, choose something of value to you that doesn't put your health in jeopardy. I told Skylar, who's pregnant, I said, you don't go on the fast. You just pray along with us. Um, but it's, it's giving up something dietary for a specific reason. Many of us across our campuses get involved in what's called a Daniel fast, which is taken from the book of Daniel. When Daniel was, uh, when he was going through a time of testing, he ate only fruits and vegetables and things that grew naturally. Uh, we kind of summarize it as, as kind of the, the, the crux of it is giving up meats and sweets. But other people do different things. Some people fast a, a particular meal. They give up lunch for 21 days. Or some people who are really addicted to coffee give up coffee for 21 days. We're not telling you what you have to do. Whatever God would lead you to do, I just want to encourage you. Some of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in my life, spiritually, financially, physically, relationally, have all happened during a time of fasting. And I was really nervous the first time I fasted. I just tried it for a couple days. Um, but I, it's come to a point where just the, the difference in my life in these times of fasting has been so pronounced and so radical that I can't imagine continuing to grow spiritually without doing it regularly and sometimes I do it spontaneously. So, um, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about these next weeks about what fasting is or what we're fasting from. We did that last year and you can go back and catch. We're going to talk about what we're fasting for this year. So the thing that I just, I want to just give you a word. This is what, this is what we're going to be fasting for. We're fasting for breakthroughs. We're fasting for your breakthroughs. We're fasting for our breakthroughs. We're fasting for each other's breakthroughs. Um, and, it's, and it's a big deal. You know, you know why we talk about breakthroughs so much? Because we have so many breakdowns. You don't need a breakthrough if you haven't had a, a breakdown. So, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I would imagine you know, a lot of us need breakthroughs in our finances this year. A lot of us need breakthroughs in our marriages or in our relationships. Some of us would like to be able to talk about marriage. You're like, my breakthrough is I'm tired of being single. I want to be married. I would love to have a breakdown in my marriage. It means I have a marriage. We want breakthroughs in our career and our health, spiritual, our, our spiritual walk with Jesus. The reason we need breakthroughs is because we experience so many breakdowns. And life is not, if you haven't discovered this by now, um, and, I, and I'll try not to mess up the lighting too bad, but I want you to be able to see this, this uh, seesaw without me being in the way here. Life is not, if you haven't figured this out, life is not really an escalator just always going up, right? Nor is life a flat line that just never changes. Life is kind of more like, a, more like a seesaw, right? And thank you, Moses and Lauren, for coming in early and putting this together. Life is like a seesaw. Don't ride this one, though. Life has ups and downs and ups and downs. And I've heard people preach that life should only have ups. That if you're really walking close to Jesus, life is just always up. They haven't read the Bible. Because if you find a character in the Bible, find a real life person that the Bible talks about that did not have both ups and downs. Jesus had ups and downs. Jesus had experienced life's ups and life's downs. He experienced some downs farther down than most of us will ever walk through. But the unique thing about Jesus and a lot of the other people, he didn't allow the ups and downs of life to sink him. He was able somehow to keep pressing forward and find the next breakthrough, whether life was up or down. So I don't know. How many of you have ever played on a seesaw or a teeter-totter, as some of you call it? Okay, if you haven't, you are missing out. 
Um, and I won't go long into this today, but a lot of my bad experiences with, with see, I was a rather heavy kid. So the seesaw wasn't something that worked real well for me because no one wanted to get on the other side, you know, because they have a lot of work to do and they'd be stuck up in the air, you know. Um, <coughs> but sometimes, you know, even seesaws like life can have breakdowns. Have you ever had a breakdown on a seesaw? Okay, some of you have, some of you haven't. If you haven't, I want you to take a look at this next video clip. You can see what happens when a seesaw breaks down. Check this out. Yikes, yeah. I mean, there were problems. You could see where it was going like one second into the video, right? You've got these two grown-ups in Russia just that shouldn't be on there to begin with. But seesaws have breakdowns. It's kind of one of those toys that if you play on it long enough, you're just going to get hurt. Like the law of averages is against you to begin with. But isn't life kind of the same way? You know, you get involved in life long enough, at some point it's going to break down on you. You're going to get hurt. And so what we want to talk about, you know, is navigating these ups and these downs and you know, life is the same way. You, 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 get into, you get into marriage, and for a while it's fun and honeymoony and everything, and then all of a sudden the ups and downs of the seesaw kick in, and, and then you get face-planted, and, and, and you have this breakdown in marriage. You get into your career. You're, you know, you're right out of school or right out of high school, and you get into your career and your job, and it's full of energy and fulfillment, and you're just thrilled to go to work. And then, like day two. <laughs> Something goes ugly. You get your finances on track. You get your little Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. You got everything in the columns. You are managing everything in the checkbook. Things are just cruising along. Your budget is right side up. And then something breaks or life happens or something you were depending on falls apart. Or you hit Old Navy on a good sale and now you're upside down for the next seven months. You know, it just happens. You get into God and your faith comes alive and you're excited about him in church and you're inspired. You're reading your Bible regularly. You're praying. You're telling people about your faith. You're inviting people to church. And all of a sudden, it, you just kind of fall out of it. And you can't find any drive anymore spiritually. And you just feel empty and disappointed and frustrated. You get a handle on your fitness and your physical health and you are running five miles a day and you're eating well, you know, and then those late night fast food commercials come on and you go to Wendy's and fall right off the wagon, right? Life isn't always up. Life has ups and downs. If you haven't figured out that out by now, I don't, I don't mean to be the voice of, of, of reason this morning, but life has ups and it has downs. Life has breakdowns. Sometimes we do breakdowns to ourselves. We cause them ourselves. They're playing on the seesaw a way that it wasn't intended to be played on. Sometimes you cause breakdowns for other people. Do you know that? Sometimes just your word of criticism to somebody in the middle of their day, you're going past them and blowing them off causes a breakdown for somebody else. 
was talking to someone today who, um, who, who is, is, manages the vision for the customer, customer care service for United Healthcare, who's here this morning. I thought, man, he is only ever dealing with breakdowns. Because he said, you know, all the other reps handle the complaints, but when they really escalate, then they get to my team. He's handling, he specializes in coming into breakdowns and trying to get things back, back on track. Sometimes life just deals it out to you. Nobody causes it, it just happens. It's just part of life and life just breaks down on you. Maybe you're already thinking about your own breakdowns, the decisions you've made in your life that have cost you. The reality is that all of us, are, all of us will find ourselves broken down at times. Here's the big idea. Here's the thing I want to drive home this week and next week. And I just realized, Julie, I totally ran over the bumper video at the beginning. I apologize. We'll use it three more times over the next couple weeks. But the big idea is that God doesn't want me to break down. He wants me to break through. If you have your notes in front of you, I would encourage you to write this down. If you don't have a pencil, scribble it real hard with your fingernail. It'll stick. God doesn't want me to break down. He wants me to break through. So I'll say this a number of times, not to the point, I don't want it to be repetitive to the point where it just gets annoying to you, but I'll say this, don't break down, break through. I'm talking to some of you this morning. Don't break down or don't stay broken down. Don't quit here. Don't decide that this is only as good as it'll ever be and that there's nothing more for you. Don't stay broken down. If your career isn't where you want it to be, don't stay broken down. Break through. If your marriage is coming apart at the seams and nobody knows but you yet, don't break down. Break through. If you're stuck in the middle of college right now and you can't see the end and you're stuck in gen ed courses that you're just bored with and you don't think this is going to amount to anything, don't break down. Break through. If you've been single longer than you want or you're single again and you're lonely, don't break down. Break through. Don't break down. Break through. How do you know if you need a breakthrough? You know how you, it starts by candidly and courageously admitting and confessing that you're not exactly where you want to be. You have to be courageous enough. See, a lot of us live in, the, in this place called denial. We're broken down, but we don't want to admit it to ourselves. Trust me, everybody around you knows you had a breakdown. You won't get anywhere until you can admit to yourself, I am broken down. And all it means is, I'm not where I thought that I would be. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that on their 30th birthday or their 25th birthday or their 50th birthday, they'll say to me, I just didn't imagine my life being at this place at this point in my life. This is not the picture I had for my life. I didn't think that I would be 35 years old, twice divorced with three kids. I didn't think that I would be 40 and still not know what career path I should be on and still trying to figure it out. I didn't think that I'd be 60 and not able to retire because I don't have enough money saved and life changed. This isn't where I thought that I would be. For you to recognize if you're having a breakdown, you have to start by confessing, being honest and candid and courageous. And those two words, candid and courageous, you'll hear a lot over the next eight weeks. Because when this series is done, we're going to talk about being candid and courageous about addressing the elephants in our families. Those things that we're scared that we should be talking about that we won't. But you have to be candid and courageous about admitting... I'm not where I thought that I should be, but I don't want to settle for being stuck and broken down right here. So, are, so if you had a little bit of time to think about it, how would you answer that? Are you where you want to be this morning? If you had time to think about it, how would you answer that? Are you where you want to be in your spiritual walk? Are you where you want to be? As close to God as you really want to be? Do you have as much of God in you? Has God pulled out as much of you as you, as you want him to? What about in your finances? Are you where you want to be? Are you making enough money? Are you paying off enough debt? Are you saving enough for your future? Are you where you want to be? Are you where you want to be in your career? Do you have the dream job? Nothing needs to change. You just found the right lane for you. Are you where you want to be in your health? What about it? Let's push it a little bit. What about in your attitude? Is your attitude where you want it to be? Are you as optimistic 
joyful, solution-centric, even-tempered as you want to be? What about your attitude? Is your attitude where you want it to be? Getting honest about where you are and where you want to be is the beginning of a breakthrough. That's where it starts. If you want a breakthrough, you have to get honest about where you are, but not only that, but where are you trying to go with that? In Philippians chapter 3, Paul was confessing that he had a little... That, that he wasn't satisfied with where he was. Paul was confessing that he needed a breakthrough. Let me read it to you. Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, and then verse 17. This is really interesting. Paul, the chief apostle, as it were, one of the main figures in the New Testament, one of the biggest heroes in the Bible, is kind of confessing here he needs a breakthrough. Here's what he says. I want to know Christ, which is probably good for an apostle, right? Wants to know Christ. I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. Isn't that interesting? Here's what he says. I don't mean to say that I'm done. I don't mean to say that I've got it all. What he's saying is there's more for me. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. This is huge. Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. He says it twice, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly which for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow my example. Paul in this passage is giving us the anatomy of a breakthrough. He's telling us, here's what you need to do to break through. Here are the specific steps. And I want to give it to you this morning. It's three, it's six words. They all begin with the word always, always more, always forget, always forward. We'll go through them one at a time, but I want you to etch that in your mind. Always more, always forget, Always forward. Say it with me. Always more. Always forget. And always forward. More forget forward. First, Paul says, if you want to have a breakthrough, you've got to understand there is always, always more. There's always more. Here's what Paul says. He says, I want to know Christ. Now, this is interesting. He is an apostle who wrote a lot of the New Testament, didn't he? He wrote Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And here's this guy who is the chief apostle who had led countless number of people to Jesus. Who had, he had heard Jesus' voice speak to him audibly. Do you remember this? Before his name was Paul, he went by the name of Saul. He was a Pharisee, and his main goal in life was to squash Christianity. And he saw to it personally to, to order the execution of Christians. He was present when people were murdered. He was on a road to Damascus, and he hears Jesus' voice audibly. And after this happens, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Didn't he already know Christ? He knew Christ, but what was Paul really saying? He says, I don't know enough of Christ. He said, I want to know him. He said, yes, I already know Jesus. I want to know him more because there's always more of Jesus to know. And it's this huge thing that Paul says, I wish I could infuse that into every single person who calls Jesus their Lord and Savior. There's more of Jesus for you than what you already know. There's more of him. And Paul says, I want to know more. 
He just knew that there was more Jesus to know. Here's a guy who wanted more power, more knowledge. He even wanted more suffering. Did you read that? He says, I want more. I want another spiritual breakthrough. Paul knew God had more for him. And he uses the illustration of an athlete in a lot of his writing. And a lot of his readers, you know, he's right. He lives in Greece where the Olympics were starting. So they're familiar with athletes. That's why he talks about running to win the prize, which is a whole other teaching in and of itself. But you know what? Athletes are never satisfied where they're at currently. How many of you have ever been involved in athletics or are currently an athlete? Let me see your hands. Okay. Athletes are usually, the real good ones, are not satisfied with the level that they're at. They're always trying to better their time, get a better mark, move forward, win more, you know, jump higher, run faster, flip higher, throw the football farther and more accurately. You know, they're always, athletes are always looking, they, there's a discontent that athletes live in. They don't settle for where they're at. And Paul says we need to have the drive of a spiritual athlete who says where I'm at might be good. But I'm always looking ahead. I'm always looking for more. I'm always looking for that next breakthrough. It's kind of like, we're going to talk about the seesaw again. Life has these opposing weights that need to be balanced. There's these opposing tensions that need to be managed. And one of those, I'm just going to illustrate them with buckets. One of these things that you and I need to to manage, and one of these things is there is always more of God. There's always more of God. Do you understand you have not extracted everything you can from God yet? Do you understand that? You've not learned everything you can know about the divine. You've not understood everything you can about his majesty. You've not learned all you can about his power. There is more of God. Do you understand he loves you? At some point this year, we're going to break through some of this placid environment here at Echo. You understand that he loves you? Do you understand that? My heart's even grieved as I'm looking. Maybe some of you don't. Do you understand how much he loves you? Now listen to me. Listen to me. No matter how much you think God loves you, you're wrong. He loves you more. No matter how much you understand God's love for you, it's incomplete. He loves you more. He loves you more. There's always, always, always more of God. There's something more of God for you to learn, for you to know, for you to experience, for you to grab onto. There's always more of God. And that sits. I don't know how well this will sit. We'll try it. Hey, well-behaved child this morning. He sits on one end of the spectrum. But here's the other end of this whole crazy, mysterious balance of life that we have to weigh out. There's always more in me. There's all, you know, you haven't extracted everything you can out of you yet either. Do you realize that? There's more in you than what is currently getting out of you. There's more. There's more toughness in you than what you currently have seen. There's less quit in you than you think. There's more toughness. And sometimes you need to not quit. You need to find that toughness. There's more in you. There's more talent in you. There's more capacity in you. There's more potential in you and what you currently have there's always more in you and if you know jesus is your lord and savior you have the holy spirit of god living inside of you there's more power of god in you than what's getting out of you right now there's more of the knowledge of god there's more of the confidence of god there's more of the power of the holy spirit there's more of the gifts of the holy spirit inside of you than what's getting out of you there's always 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 more in you but here's the balance these two things tend to and i don't know how well this will balance this morning these tend to, I'm going to lean it right up against there and then walk away very slowly. Those of you that are listening on a podcast, I don't even have time to explain to you what you're not seeing right now. So just, so these things sit at the opposite end of the tension. There's always more of God and there's more in me. 
So when I need a breakthrough, which bucket do I go to? Do I try when I need my breakthrough, when I'm broken down, I need a breakthrough. Do I go to this bucket and just say, God, I'm giving up doing everything in me and I'm just going completely to you and I need more of you. Or do we say, God, um, this is totally on me. I'm going to dig through everything that I know and all of my strategies and efforts and straining and get there. Can I suggest to you, and this is mysterious, it ba- it's kind of a. Well, let's suppose that we were farmers. Some of you actually are farmers. Let's suppose that we are farmers this morning and I need to eat and I need to grow crops. Can I make seeds? No, I can't. Who makes seeds? God. God makes seeds. And I have a handful of seeds and I go into my prayer closet. Dear God, please help me have food. Please turn these seeds magically into corn. You see the problem here. God has done his part. And now what does he ask me to do? I've got to go plow and plant. And then I plow and I plant and I put the seeds in the ground and then they grow, right? No. What do they need? They need water. And where's water come from? Rain, the ground. Who does that? Can I make it rain? I don't know that dance. Okay, I can't do that. I said, can I make it rain? That's going to be everybody that's 25 or under is going to listen to this and think that that means something different. And that's not what I'm talking about. I can't make rain fall from the sky in the form of water. I need God to do this. And God makes it rain. And then the weeds grow up. And I say, dear God, please make these weeds disappear. No, I have to weed. And then when I weed, I harvest. And then I get more seeds. And then I need to put... Do you understand that there's a relationship here? When I need my breakthrough, it doesn't require either or. It requires both and. Right? It requires both and. We walk and we pray. And we pray and we walk. This is why we don't only pray and then do nothing else. I know people that say, Pastor Phil, I just need an answer. I've got a real estate thing going on and I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed and I don't know what to do and I need information and God's just not getting... Why don't you go ask somebody? The Bible says there's wisdom in counsel. Why can't God speak through a good realtor as much as you can get it up in your treehouse? You've prayed about it. Now get down out of the treehouse and go get some information. If we all just went up in the treehouse and prayed, who'd find out about Jesus if someone doesn't go tell him? Right? It's this mysterious relationship. That's why we don't just pray and do nothing, but that's also why we don't just run around doing everything and digging holes and planting seeds and never pray. There's always more of God. If you want your breakthrough, you've got to know there's more of God. There's more of me, but there's a third bucket that's supposed to sit right here in the middle that balances us out. And you won't even come to this seesaw if you don't ever wrap your mind around this. God has more for me than this. God has more for me. You won't care about getting more out of God. You won't care about drawing more out of you. You will have given up if you can't ever wrap your mind. And some of you don't believe this. You believe you are doomed, that your finances are stuck. God has no more for your finances. That your marriage is over. God has no more for your marriage. That your spiritual walk has come and gone. That what it was two years ago in its heyday is as good as it'll ever be. If you never get to this bucket, you know where you end up? Dead end thinking. Because you decide there is enough. It's enough. 
God won't ever do anything more. God always has more for you. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm not convinced that I've attained all of my breakthroughs yet. God has more for me. I want more power. I want even more of his suffering. I want to know more of his glory. I want to know more of his knowledge. Paul was convinced that God had more for him. And that's why he always looked to get more out of God and why he always said, God, extract more out of me. But if you can never get to this third bucket, you're going to be stuck in dead thinking. Friend, I want to tell you something. God has more for you. There's always more. He has more for your career, more for your health, more for your finances. If you haven't gotten your healing yet, God has more for you. If you're wanting to have kids and you can't, God has more for you. If you're wanting that next promotion and God's put it in your heart, He has more for you. If you're believing for a day, you can go into work and actually enjoy it. God has more for you. But if you've decided that He hasn't, you're just stuck where you are and the rest of this will make no sense. God always has more for you. He always has more for you. He always has more for you. Says God himself. And God's not one to lie. He always has more for you. So here's how a lot of our prayers go. We clench our fists and we close our eyes real tight. And we say, God, please give me a better life. Give me a better life today. And we go home on Sunday afternoon. We wake up Monday morning and we expect the better life to be waiting outside our doorstep. That's not always how it happens. Here's what I think the prayer really sounds like between us and God. God, will you please give me a better life? Will you please fix my finances? Will you please fix my relationships? Will you please fix... God says, yes, but I don't just give it, I grow it. Through many, many, many breakthroughs. Pastor, do you mean to say that God can't just do it instantly? No, I don't mean to say that because God loves to mess with our little sermons and our little, we say this is the way God always does it. Mm. Sometimes God just, just breaks right in and does it right away. But you know, that's, a, that's no less of a breakthrough than anything else. I just want to tell you this. God doesn't ordinarily, his pattern isn't ordinarily for us to just close our eyes and mean it real bad and He just snaps his fingers and everything turns around, though he can. He thinks the more valuable thing for us is not about proving that he can do it instantly. It's about growing us. He says, I don't just always just give these things away willy-nilly. I will give it, but I won't just give it. I will grow it. I will grow your better life through many, 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 many breakthroughs. And some of you who have walked with God longer than I have, could stand up here and preach this more accurately. I mean, you could tell me story after story after story after story. And I love to hear those stories because it strengthens my heart. You know, I listen to stories. Dr. Joe always encourages me about different things that he's seen God do in his life. Just the history and the testimony of breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And he would, he'd be the first to tell you, God doesn't always just give these things right away and change it overnight. He can, but it's not about proving that he can do things instantaneously. His goal is to grow us. And sometimes that has to happen over many, 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 many breakthroughs because most of us just don't get it the first time. We need over and over and over and over again. So that's all those different things about breakthroughs. I just want you to, you have to sometimes get in the midst of your breakdown and not settle. Don't settle for your marriage. Don't settle for your lousy attitude. Don't settle for not being a kingdom player. If you think the bucket is empty, if you think that third bucket is empty, then of course you have a dead end life. But I want you to get out of that and get into that bucket today and start thinking about your next breakthrough. Let me give you these next two points real quick because we'll talk more about these over the next couple of weeks. So we've got, there's always more. The second thing that Paul says is you've got to do the anatomy of breakthrough. You've got to know that there's always more. Second thing is you've got to always forget. Always forget. Always forget. And this requires a whole week. In fact, next week, the title of next week's message is always forget. We're going to talk about what that means. That's a tough concept. Because our minds don't, the more you try to forget, the less you do. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. His next breakthrough. 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul says you have to, to, for you to break through, you have to forget your past. You have to forget your past. So there's two things you need to learn to forget. I'll give them to you both and I'll talk about one just for a moment. You need to learn to forget about your failures. You need to learn to forget about your failures. And man, that is tough. Some of you are stuck this morning and feel like you don't deserve to move forward because you should keep paying for your past mistakes. The second thing you need to learn to forget, you might not expect, you need to learn to forget about your successes too. And we're going to play with that word forget. I don't mean erase them from your memory and pretend that they didn't happen. That's not what we're talking about. But I will tell you that your successes can paralyze you as much as your failures if you let them. I'll illustrate that a little bit today, but more next week. So, what, so here's a question that I had as I was wrestling with this. So Paul's saying you need to forget the past. My question is, how do I do that? How do I forget? What does it mean to forget? Does it mean like I'm supposed to be like, like that important email that I can't find, that it was just right-clicked and deleted and is irretrievable? That somehow, that does, is Paul suggesting that our mind is capable of just putting our finger on an event in the past that we don't want to remember, that it was a mistake, a decision that cost us, and just somehow waving our hand and it no longer can even come up in the recall of our brain. That's just not the way God made us. In fact, if you read the Bible through from cover to cover, your past can be very important. There's certain things that we do want to do with our past mistakes. We want to extract some value from them so we don't repeat them. We want to learn from our mistakes. We want to grow from our mistakes. We want to fail forward. But we don't want to get stuck and paralyzed and let our mistakes in our past define us. So how do I do that? I can only give you a quick description this morning. Very, very, very quick. Because I know by even talking about this, some of you right now, you put your finger on that mistake. You know exactly what it was. In fact, it's never far from your mind. Here's what you do. If you really want to move past this, now this is very, very practical nuts and bolts stuff. Listen up real quick. Number one, you need to make sure that your past mistakes have been properly addressed. Because sometimes we're running from something that we still need to deal with. Do we know what I'm talking about? You understand where we're going with that. Sometimes there's just stuff in your past that you just haven't dealt with yet. And that's why it's such a big issue in your mind. Some forgiveness that you needed to ask for because you've done somebody wrong things like that you just haven't properly addressed it maybe it was maybe it was a death or a loss that you never really finished grieving for and sometimes those types of things keep moving forward because we've never properly addressed it denial is not the solution covering it up won't advance you here's the equation i've given it a talk acceptance plus willingness equals hope it's not in your notes this is just acceptance plus willingness equals hope if you are stuck somewhere with a past mistake how do you get past it number one you need to accept 100 percent of your responsibility in that mistake no excuses that's acceptance you have to add to that willingness that says not only did I do it or did I say it or did I cause it. You also have to be willing to say, I will do whatever I can to help make it right. You can't do more than you can. You can't do less than you can. You can do exactly what you can. So if I will accept my part in whatever made things wrong and I'm willing to do what I need to do to make it right, there's always hope that you can move forward. Now, if it involves another person, which most of our mistakes usually do, or other people, there's also another end of this equation you can do nothing about. You cannot control their response. But that doesn't mean you can't move forward. That's their issue to deal with, says the Bible. If you've accepted it and you are willing to do what you need to do, there's always hope 
for you to be able to move forward. If you've unapologetically accepted ownership of your mistakes and you've willingly done all you can do to make it right, there's hope for you to move forward. So make sure that your, fail, your past mistakes have been properly addressed. And if you need to, ask for forgiveness. That's the second thing. How do I forget? Make sure you've asked for forgiveness. Here's a beautiful thing that John writes, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our mistakes, if we confess our sins, if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you. He will cancel it. Forgive is an accounting term meaning to cancel out an owed debt. God says, I'm going to cancel out that debt. I'm going to accept payment Jesus has already made. If you confess your sins, confess your faults, he will forgive you. Forgiveness is this great thing that propels you forward. Well, I don't deserve it. You're right. Get over it. You don't. That's why some of you have asked God for forgiveness and you don't feel forgiven and you've decided he hasn't forgiven you. And so you ask him over and over and over and over and over again, expecting that at one point you're going to just feel that guilt lift off you. No, he's forgiven you. You just haven't accepted it. He's put it right there on the table. Here's forgiveness. And God has moved on and you haven't. And you say, God, please forgive me for that past mistake. And God says, I'm going back through the book and I don't. What are you talking about? Remember that thing I asked you to forgive me for? It's on page 37, okay? I'm on page 37. All I see is my son's blood all over that page. I can't see at all what you're... What are you... I need to feel forgiven. I've forgiven you. Take it. Accept it. And that's the third thing. Accept God's grace. If you're having trouble forgetting about your past, make sure you've addressed it properly, that you've asked him forgiveness. Then just accept God's grace. And you know, many of us spend an entire lifetime rejecting God's grace. We accept it for salvation, but not for forgiveness. It's this weird bargaining system we have in our minds because we don't feel like we deserve it. You don't. I don't. I don't deserve it. There's a great book. If you're stuck here, go get it. What's so amazing about grace by Philip Yancey. Go get it. Read it. If you need it, talk to me. I'll buy it for you. I will give it to you. It will it will help you through this. Amazing grace, right? Him that most people know, even if they don't like Jesus, they know that him. You know, it won't be till you get to heaven until you figure out how amazing his grace really is. I am a testament. I'm a case study in God's grace. I'm a case study in God's grace. And you know what? So are you. So if you're having trouble moving forward from your past, forgetting about your mistakes, hopefully maybe one of those things will, will give you some traction. You know, um, but let's move forward. You also need, you've got to be able to put your mistakes behind you to get your next breakthrough. Because otherwise you'll just say, God has no more for me and I don't deserve any more. If you don't put your mistakes behind you, you'll throw this bucket away because you just will be content to have the life that life you have. Is, it's your self-imposed punishment. That's your punishment you're putting on yourself. That's not God. God says, I've got more for you. Accept my grace and let's get on with getting on. I hope that's good news because that is good news. It's great news. It's great news. Human beings, we don't treat each other that way. You know, we're fool me once, but fool me twice, we're done. And that's, in some ways, that's wisdom, Right? You know, I've, I've, tell, I've told this story. I wasn't going to tell you. I've, I've used this illustration before, but, I, you know, like I could have a good relationship with an accountant and I could trust them to manage my finances. And I could find out two years into it that they have run away with all my money. I'm going to be very angry. I will at some point be able to forgive them for that. But I, do you think I will ever trust them with my money again? No. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. The Bible doesn't command me to reconcile every relationship because sometimes it's just not smart to do that. But it doesn't want me to be paralyzed by not being able to forgive them. That's for my sake, so I can move on. Like, I can forgive you even if you don't change and if you don't accept it and if you don't apologize. I get to choose to just cancel the debt and say, I don't want to live knowing that you owe me money. 
I want to be able to live and live free from that. But that's what the, here's a beautiful thing. Jesus came to earth to reconcile us to God. So even though we heard him over and over and over and over and over again, he still says, I'm willing to have a relationship with you. That's nuts. That's not fair. It's amazing. But when you really realize how much he loves you, why would you want to keep damaging that relationship like that over and over again? And that's, that's the question. People, Pastor, can you lose your salvation? My question is, why would you want to give it up? Why would you want to walk away? Why would you want to walk away from that? God's grace is amazing. If you need to learn to forget about your mistakes, you also need to learn to forget about your successes. We'll really unpack that next week. Um, but sometimes your previous successes can stunt your future breakthroughs every bit as much as your past failures. Um, and I'm hesitant to ever use an illustration about um, finances, personal finances, as um, you know, to talk about it publicly. I, I, sometimes one can be too transparent, and it's pretty taboo for pastors to talk about their personal finances. But um, I think in this context, I can use an illustration about how this works. Um, I, I guess it was about five years ago now. Actually, that story about an accountant was, was pretty true. My wife and I had made a bad choice, I guess, early on in our marriage about who we got to manage our finances for our retirement. We weren't putting a lot away, but we want to... Re- I want to stop working someday. I just, I mean, I love y'all and everything else. And I'm going to be waiting. I, I, you know, I, one of the things I look forward to is that day when we can stop working. And, you know, when we were 22, we thought about the house by the beach. And now we just think about, you know, the tent somewhere, you know, like you did, you know, life changes. And um, I say all that to say, you know, we did start saving, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I made, you know, I made an awesome salary of $21,000 a year when I got out of college. And I was just, I was just thrilled to have it. And, um, we put a little bit of money away every month for retirement, a very little bit of money. But we started when we were young, when we were first married. And so it was starting to accumulate pretty well, you know, 10, 12 years into it. And we had someone who was managing our finances and doing just suspiciously well with the returns that we were getting on our, <laughs> on our finances. And I remember one day, it was, in, um, it was in 2008, I had just made a decision to get out of the car business and take a two-thirds pay cut to get back into ministry and but because of where we were tracking along it seemed like a good idea and a month after i made that decision i got a phone call one morning it said all of your money is gone all of it all of it and i don't have time to unpack the whole story but every last penny that we had put away for our retirement up to that point was gone and so i have trust issues when it comes to people managing money and uh also, I'm just a little of enough fish that the people who are really good at it don't want to deal with someone like me who can give them a few pesos a month. And, you know, they're like, no, they want to deal with the bigger fish. So I had a choice. I, I'm not a stockbroker. I'm not an investor. I had a choice. So I was like, well, I don't really trust anybody else to start rebuilding this. I better educate myself a little bit. So I decided that I would, I would try and open up my own retirement account and manage it myself, not knowing anything. So I got some good resources and some good counsel um, from some reputable places. I spent some money to get some education to try and learn better. And we started putting away just a little bit of time. And we had gotten to the point where we accumulated Hold your breath. We had $1,500 put away. Amazing amount of money, right? And you can retire an afternoon on that. And and I remember I had gotten enough where I felt like this was a good amount to make my first investment in a stock in our retirement account. And I I had studied and studied and studied and stressed and stressed and stressed. And I mean, $1,500, right? And we found um, found this stock that was trading at the time for like, Seven dollars and fifty cents. So I bought all. T- I bought two hundred shares of this stock, and I had studied it and studied and studied it and talked and asked questions and studied. Seven dollars and fifty cents. Well, last week that stock is up now to twenty-five dollars a share, and so you know my fifteen hundred dollars, you know, has increased significantly. You know, it's over triple. So now it's all. It's like there's five thousand dollars there. That's a success. It's an awesome success. 
Here's the reality. I cannot retire on my one little success. <laughs> that will last a couple weeks, a couple months. You know, I don't know how long that will last. That's not enough. I need many, 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 many more successes and at least more successes than failures in order for me to achieve the goal that we have for our lives. And I hope that that doesn't make you uncomfortable talking about that. I know some of you, you know, to some of us, $1,500 is a life-changing amount of money. To others, you could lose it in your, your couch and you, your life wouldn't change. I understand it's all relative. But you understand the point I'm trying to make. We can't, in order for us to press forward, some, in some ways you can't be bound up by your past successes. The first person I led to Jesus wasn't my last. I didn't get stuck there. I didn't say, you know what, that's enough. This is such an awesome experience. This is, this is enough. No, I, and I didn't just forget about it and pretend like it didn't happen, but I didn't use it to bog me down and settle me down there. We have to be able to put our mistakes behind us, but in some ways, for you to get to your next breakthrough, you have to put some of your successes behind you. That awesome date you had with your spouse three years ago <laughs> might have been just this awesome, successful evening of romance for you, but sometimes you've got to put that behind you and find your next breakthrough. Do you understand what I'm saying without embarrassing you more than I'm embarrassing me? All right. Always forward. Always forward. God has celebrations of future breakthroughs down the road for you. So we want to always remember that there's more. Always forget. And we'll talk more about that next week. I have a lot more stories about that that I've learned in life about putting mistakes behind us, but also celebrating successes and then being able to put them behind us and keep pressing forward. But always forward. Paul says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And, and, and in your notes, the point that I put in there is God has celebrations of future breakthroughs down the road for you. If you can just get a picture of the more, if you could just get a little bit of a picture of the more that God has for you, I would like that to become your motivation because that's what Paul's drive came from was he kept thinking about the more, the next breakthrough, the next. And what he was really talking about was the prize for which God had called him heavenward. He was thinking about being with Jesus. An interesting side note, some of you know a little bit more about the history of Paul. He went through some tough stuff. Do you know he was stoned several times? And I don't mean that he got high. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> They threw rocks at him. And you know how long they threw rocks at somebody when they stoned somebody? Until what? The Bible says he was stoned multiple times. They didn't just throw rocks until he fell down. Some people believe, and I, would, I can't really see why it wouldn't make sense, that maybe he died several times and had some taste of what he was actually looking for and then came back to earth. God brought him back to life. What a disappointment, man. You know, like you're in heaven and then God brings you back. You know, like he probably had a better idea than most about what lied ahead for him. He had a picture of the more. And that's what motivated him. Some of us are motivated because we replay our past mistakes and it negatively motivates us. Every time we get excited about more, we say, I don't deserve that kind of a person like me with my past doesn't deserve a better future. Or sometimes we replay our past success and say a person like me doesn't need a better future. There's always celebrations God has ahead for you inside of your bulletin as we close. I'll ask the worship team to come back inside your bulletin. Let me grab that envelope from you real quick, Brian. There's an envelope. There should be an envelope. 
And this has to do with always forward. This is how we're going to close our service today. I want you to open up the envelope and just unfold that paper on the inside. Side note on, on this, I, uh, I don't usually do this, but I wanted to this week. Every single envelope, every single paper, I was part of this process from beginning to end. I, you, know, you can tell my design skills are awesome because I design. Look at that. I mean, that's really, yeah, how about that? Yeah. Microsoft Word and I are just, I mean, we just can do amazing things together. I printed the copies. I folded them myself. I went and got the envelopes. I bought them. I stuffed them myself. I prayed over every single one of these things three times. Three times. I touched all these three times. Not that there's anything special about me touching. I just want you to know that what I'm asking you to do, I am really very prayerful about. On this piece of paper, it says, I need a breakthrough. And it's just very generic. It says, in 2014, I believe the next breakthroughs God has for me are. And you get to fill that part in. And just a little statement, I will not break down, I will break through. And I want you to just start thinking in this moment, what breakthroughs does God have for you? What are the next two, three, four breakthroughs that you think God might have for you? Now, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with these in a second. But let me tell you why this exercise to me has special meaning. I did something like this once in my life. It wasn't a series about breakthroughs, but I was in a church service in uh, January of 2011, the very first Sunday of the year, and the pastor handed out these pieces of paper and envelopes, and he says, I want you to write down there something you're believing God for for 2014. It's very generic like that. And at that point in my life, there was such an incompleteness in Kendra and I's life, and I didn't tell her what I wrote down. We didn't talk about it. We each did this individually, and I wrote one thing on there. I sealed it in the envelope. And uh, we put them in a basket or whatever. And uh, they held those all throughout the year. They didn't open them. Um, and then in the month of December, they just postmarked all of them and they sent them back to all of us. And I opened mine up. And when I opened it up, I had actually kind of forgotten that I had written it down. I opened it up and it said, I believe that this is the year that my wife and I will finally get pregnant. And it had been 12, 13 years that we'd been trying to have kids and couldn't. So I wrote that in January. In June of that year, we found out that we were pregnant. And when I opened that letter, we were two months away from my, from my son being born. And it was just, I have that piece of paper. And when Chase is old enough to start understanding, and I'm going to give it to him. And I want him to understand that him being in this earth is not a coincidence. That Jesus had a plan for his life. I have the envelope when it was written, when it was postmarked. Right? I would love to have 100% participation in this sometime this month. Some of you are going to be ready to write this out right now. Some of you it might take a couple weeks. Each week throughout this series, we're going to give people a chance to do this. But what I want you to do, this is just, you, you can talk with it. You can talk about this with as many or as few people as you want. But I want you to just write down on here what you're believing God to help you break through this year. You can write as much or as little as you want. And when you're done, I want you to fold it back up. I want you to put it in this envelope. I want you to seal it. And I want you to address it to yourself. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come up and put that in this bucket that God has more for me, that sealed envelope. I will not open a single one of these envelopes. That's between you, yourself, and God. We're going to store these. We're going to lock these up. We're going to store these until the month of December, and then we'll postmark them and mail them back to you in December. If you're not ready to do this today, if this is uncomfortable for you, if this is getting way too personal, okay, no pressure. Don't have to. Maybe next week you feel different. Maybe the next week. I just want, what have you got to lose, man? Don't stay broken down. 
Don't get content. Don't get complacent. As our team just begins to play quietly, I just want to give you a moment to do this. I want to give you just a moment to start filling in as much or as little as you care to write. This is just for you. When you're done writing, I want you to put it inside that envelope. I'm going to just bring this bucket to a plate. I'll turn this around right here. Put the bucket right up here. Turn my podium around. And when you're done, I won't dismiss you formally to come up to the front and put it in there. But when you're done, why don't you just come up and put it in put in this bucket. And you're just taking a step of faith saying, God, I do believe you have more for me this year. I do believe you have more for my marriage. I do believe you have more for my spiritual walk. I believe you have more for my family. I believe you have more for my career, for my health, for my finances, for my education, for the pursuits, for my goals, for my vision, for my mission in life. Whatever it is that you believe, I want you to understand God has future celebrations in store for you. If you'll just believe that there's always more, if you'll discipline yourself to always forget, and if you'll keep yourself moving always forward, that's the anatomy, that's the blueprint Paul gives us for getting after breakthroughs. So just take a moment right now. I'm going to fill mine in here. Just take a moment. Chris is just going to lead us in a song. Just, just take a moment, fill them in. And then when you're done, just bring them on up, put them in the bucket, and then you can return to your seat. We'll just close out with a time of worship together. Go ahead, Chris. Will you lead us? You are the source of life I can't be left behind. No one else will do. I will take hold of you. Cause I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Where else can I? I am saying, capture me with grace, I will follow you. your
take your time and continue to fill them out. It's no problem. There's no hurry. If you're riding, keep riding. Those of you that aren't riding or coming up to put yours in the bucket, can, can we just have just kind of a, just a private moment here? Why don't we just close our eyes for those of us that aren't riding? I just, if you're here this morning, I would be doing you the greatest disservice ever if I talked to you about breakthroughs without talking to you about the ultimate breakthrough. And that is beginning your relationship with Jesus Christ on a one-on-one personal level. Coming to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. None of these other breakthroughs will mean anything. If you have all those other breakthroughs and no relationship with Jesus, you will have lost it all. The most important thing and where this all starts is with a personal commitment between you and Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you know you don't have a relationship with God, that you and Him are not right, that if you die today, you're not sure whether you would go to heaven or whether you would go to hell and spend eternity apart from God, I want to give you the very clear invitation and next step. All you have to do is believe that God exists, believe He has a son named Jesus, believe that you need a relationship with Jesus because that you've sinned and you've fallen short of the standard that God set and you have to be willing to exchange your current life for the life Jesus has for you. That's it. Well, Pastor, how do I get at that? How do I start that? It's this simple. You just say something to God to this effect. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins and come into my life and change my heart. I exchange my life of doing my own thing for a life of submitting to you as my King and as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to exchange seats. I want you to be in charge and I'm going to follow your lead. So please come into my heart and change me forever. I want to live every moment of the rest of my life in right relationship with you. That's all you have to say. And if you say that prayer and you mean it with your heart, the Bible is true when it says that God even right now is depositing all of His Holy Spirit inside of you. He has covered over all of your past mistakes. He's given you a brand new life. He's given you full, unfiltered access to everything that is His. It's now yours. You just have to walk it out. And you have to live that out. Now all over this place, with every eye open, every head up, why don't you stand with me as we conclude our service this morning? If you're still writing after we dismiss, I'll leave this bucket up here. I love this. Look at this. I don't know how well you can see this. Look at that. And this is going to grow and grow and grow over the next couple of weeks. This is a huge act of faith. You guys have made yourself very vulnerable and open to God here. You've been candid and courageous. Or you've put stuff on here. You're not just scribbling stuff down. This means something. This means something. So... I want to pray over you and I want to pray over what is represented on every single paper in here. These are breakthroughs you need. We serve a God of the breakthrough. We see, serve a Lord of the breakthrough who has more for every one of us. So I want to pray. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we just kind of come all move towards the center? Why don't you grab the hand of the person? Let's close the aisles. Let's come grab the hand of the person sitting next to you across all the aisles. We're one big family here. I just want to pray over all of you this morning. I'm going to pray over you. Why don't you just in your own way pray over the person to your right or your left. Whether you know them or not, you can pray silently in your mind. But you just ask God to help them get after these breakthroughs. Heavenly Father, we recognize that life has has breakdowns for us. But we also recognize even when we're not broken down, there's still more you have for us. There's more in you and there's more in me. And God, I pray over each and every individual in the house this morning. I pray over every single envelope and all of the breakthroughs that are written down on these things. God, your eyes have seen them. Your imagination has imagined them. Now help us get after these things. Really help our hearts wrapped around the truth that there's more for us. Don't let us get stuck harboring our past mistakes and our past successes and focus our eyes not on the past 
but looking ahead and looking forward, we declare this is the year of the breakthrough over our finances, over our health, over broken relationships, over our marriage, over our careers. We declare it over our Echo Campus. We declare it over this high school and in Perry Hall, over all of our Trinity Life campuses. We want to be able to sit in December of this year, should you tarry, and look back over our shoulder and say, God broke through some stuff this year. So God, we are very much inspired and energized and excited about getting after the next things you have for every one of us. I pray we leave this place enthusiastic, energized, inspired, and deeply connected to you and all you're going to do in our lives. Help us be the inspiration to keep other people chasing their breakthroughs, even as you're inspiring us to chase ours. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'll leave this bucket up front. If you've got more envelopes to put in there, we'll take them. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.